Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Score! Now a special presentation for you. Oh my God! Here we go. Here we go. You're listening to the Country Blues Podcast. With your hosts, Derek. How you gonna get above it, John? Matt Casey. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. And Cody. What's not to love? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek, and you won't be hearing from John this week. John is off this week. Man, I see that sigh of relief coming from Matt Casey. Right, All right man. What, this one, this one's gonna be our highest performing, uh, performing one yet. I told him we we're gonna start keeping stats on it. So you know, here's what, here's one where we can just kind of pad the numbers. Um, but yes, I, Matt Casey. I kid, I, I kid. I, I miss you, John. I miss you. Do you though? Uh, <laughs> now we do miss John. We love John. We have to. He's part of the show. Uh, Matt Casey's here, and then we've got Hoagie as well. What's going on, everybody? We've got three quarters of the Pod Street Bullies here, and we have one giant bit of news that we want to get to. Uh, training camp right around the corner as well. We're going to touch on that here in a bit. But the first bit of news, I was looking for another word for bit because I had already used that, but my vocabulary is not as extensive as I thought. Um, tidbit. Tid- tidbit. There you go. First tidbit of news that stress, we get to. Stressed on that one. <laughs> it works. It absolutely works. We have Sean Couturier inking a an eight-year extension worth $62 million, seven and three-quarter million per year, which I'll tell you what, boys, wow. Like, I completely just blown away by this deal. Um, so I'm going to hand it off to Hoagie here while I form my words because, <laughs> damn, uh, dude, I, I've come the same way. I I saw the tweet from the Flyers, you know, tweeting out the 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 Couturier toothless grin, and I was like, "What the heck is going on?" <laughs> and then our uh, our boy Jordan tweeted out, "It must be a Couturier extension." And I said, "That's yeah, got to be it. It's got got to be." But you know, I'm I'm so excited for this ex- uh, this extension for him. We have lots of for nine years, including this year. Um, it's just, it's a steal for Sean Couturier and, you know, he's a Selkie winner and one of the best two way forwards in the game right now. So having him for the next eight years is solid for this Flyers team. All right, Matt Casey, have you formed your words yet? (laughs) Four, four words performed now. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, Um, totally agree i i saw this and i was like wow number one they got this done before the season started which is phenomenal because this would have been a cloud looming over not a cloud but you know just a topic looming over the head of the team and couturier we're still going to see a little bit of it with Giroux, i think um but I, I it's a different situation um i look at this as a a truly rare occurrence where I think this is really a good deal for both sides of, of the coin, both Couturier's camp and the Flyers camp. Couturier, you know, if you saw him in the 
postseason press conferences, he was kind of like, as everybody from the team, the the equipment managers, all the way us, uh, uh, you know, up to the fans. He was dejected. He was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I want to see what you know what this team is going to be, and I want to win, which is totally understandable. And I think that the you know seven and three quarter million a year cap it is lower than we thought it would be, but that's still pretty darn good. But he sacrificed cap and his personal gain to allow the Flyers to be you know to have some wiggle room in the future for stuff. And you know he could have gotten more money on the on the open market. He probably could have put Chuck's balls to the bandsaw and gotten more money from the Flyers. But he chose to say, "Hey, I want to be part of this team. I see what you did in the offseason, Chuck Fletcher. I I'm literally buying into it. Let's go." It's the ultimate team move, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. you, like you were saying, Couturier could have commanded a huge payday if he'd have went to the open market. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we saw, mm-hmm. we even talked about, uh, we speculated, you know, the guy could get $9 million potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing him come in at over a million under that is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Seven and three quarter million dollars for eight years for a guy who typically you see, I mean, especially with guys like Bergeron, these defensive forwards who only get better with time, you could honestly even throw Giroux in that mix where he's gotten mm-hmm. maybe not better, but like if the if that's the plateau that he's at right now, that's not bad, you know. And he's defensively sound enough, you know. I'm not going to mm-hmm. put him up there with the the cream of the crop when it comes to defensive forwards like the Barkovs, the Kopitars, the you know Bergerons, but he's still damn good. So locking a guy like that up. For that long of a term is great. You know, he'll be, what, 37 when that contract expires? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe the last two, two to three years might be a little rough. I'd rather have it rough at seven and three-quarter million dollars than at nine or ten. You know? Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, fantastic deal. I'm really glad to see that Couturier is putting the team first when he honestly didn't have to. Right, right. And, I, you know, I, I think... I told you guys in a separate conversation over the weekend, I, my kids asked uh, to do an outdoor movie. And I said, what do you guys want to watch? And they said a Flyers game. And I didn't have the heart to tell my, you know, four and a half and three year old that Flyers aren't playing right now. So I put on the 2012 game three Flyers Penguins and which is, you know, Crosby acting like a little punk. And, you know, it was, you know, we end up, we end up winning, I think eight to four, eight to five, something like that. But Couturier was 19 in that game. And, you know, he was, you know, that was the series where he just, he frustrated Malkin to no end. And long-winded way of saying, like, look, Couturier, we're going to get him in his prime. We're going to get, you know, he's a homegrown talent. We're getting him in his prime. Even in the latter years of this deal, he is so defensively sound and, like, is not reliant on, like, pure speed. Or, like, he's not like a one-trick pony that Mm -hmm. that trick can go away. He is just a sound player. And if he, you know, in the latter part of this deal, if he ends up getting reduced down to more of what he was in 2012, which was more of a shutdown guy or more of a third line-ish player, I still think that's going to be a really, really solid as long as we're getting the return on investment over the next, like, five years right now. If you're looking at Couturier and he's going to be playing third line minutes, they're typically going to pair him with the opposing team's top line because that's who they want to shut down. So what does that do in return? 
it frees up the Flyers' top line to go up against lesser competition, a second, third, fourth line of the opposing team. Right. So it could only benefit the Flyers, in my opinion. Uh, it was a fantastic mm-hmm. point. Uh, Hoagie, long term here, we're looking at you know eight years. Are you a little warded off by the term, or is that something that you feel like you know it's going to be manageable, at least for the Flyers, and what they're going to be able to get on the return? I think I think eight years is is perfect. I, I mean, it's it's a little on the longer side, but I mean, he'll be thirty seven by the time his contract ends, and some of these guys are trying to play into their forties at this point. I feel like Kateria is just going to be one of those workhorses that just keeps on trucking along because he loves the game and he loves to play for the Orange and Black. Um, I, I think I think it'll work out in our favor, especially because because of the cap hit that he's bringing on, it'll help bring in some other pieces down the line to help bring in solid guys for our first and second line to help, you know, with the scoring so that he, he's not dependent. We're not depending on him to score as well. We're, we're just depending on him to be our defensive shutdown center in a way, but he can still play his game as well. Um, one big thing that I, I don't know if you guys saw What's huge about Couturier is this is the second time he's signed before his contract has ended, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome because I don't I think I feel like Couturier doesn't want to have that weighing on him during the season. You know what I'm saying? I feel like he just wants to have it done, ready, and just keep on trucking along. Yeah, and to the point, I guess I think Matt brought this up, so we want to talk about like the 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 offensive output for this guy like even though he is known as a defensive forward we're looking at a guy that really I don't even want to say he's peaked yet but he started amassing point totals similar to a point per game only what three years ago now so we're looking at a guy who honestly I think he could carry that maybe not for the entire duration of this deal we could probably get maybe five, six years of this guy putting up that same type of point total mm-hmm. while still being, and honestly, these defensive forwards get better with time. He could be even better on the defensive side of the puck while still putting up these types of points. Like, how encouraging mm-hmm. is that, Hoagie? Oh, it's it's huge. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, he wasn't able to get to that point per game for so long because he was kind of kept in the shadows on that third line. For forever, and then once we bumped him up to that first and second line with some decent players that can feed him the puck and he can do things on the power play and penalty kill, I think I think his just offensive product productivity just soared. And I think with the additions that we've gotten over the over the summer, his production is just going to keep on climbing, especially if we're able to bring in more guys over the over the term of his deal. What do you think about that, Matt Casey? Yeah, I think. The, you know, a, a, a point per game player, there's no doubt that's phenomenal. But I also think you look at where those points are coming from, and I don't have his exact stats in front of me, but what's going in my mind right now is, I think it was two years ago, they tried to get Konechny going. They tried to get, you know, a handful of guys going. Every single time, you put him with Couturier. Yep. And you put him with Couturier, and either Couturier is scoring or he's setting the guy up. Or, you know, it's just improving other people's game. And I think, like, a lot of his points, yes, a point per game is, is impressive, but I think his hidden value is his ability to make other players around him just so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have – who's the goal scorer from uh, in Columbus who's a, a total diva? What's uh, that guy's Lainé. name? Line. You know, you have a guy like him. It's like, <laughs> do you really want to be on a line with Patrick Line? Like, I, he, the guy just sounds like a selfish prick. 
and you know versus like people who line up to be on a line with people like Aturier or I assume with people like Cam Atkinson and, and stuff like that who are going to make you, that team and that line just a better overall product on the ice. Yeah. And we're not, don't get me wrong, we're not talking Sidney Crosby level greatness here where it's like, and you could put Chris Kunitz or any Joe Schmo, or Teddy Bluger, or whatever, you know, all those goddamn guys on the line and they're just all of a sudden all stars. But like, to your point, you're absolutely right. Konechny had the best period in time, stat wise, of his career when he was with Couturier. You're putting guys like Claude Giroux, who we're finding out apparently there's a fountain of youth and he's found it. You know, putting those two together has been fantastic. So mm-hmm. you have a tremendous commodity in Sean Couturier, and locking him up to a deal like this is fantastic business by Chuck Fletcher. Um, and, you know, you talk about reality where it's, you know, you're getting a guy and maybe his offensive output doesn't match the price tag, but, I mean, he's getting paid a shade over what Kevin Hayes and JVR are getting paid. And then the reality of the situation you now have one of the premier, if not the premier, defensive forwards locked up for eight more years with the potential of him getting even better at doing so. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bit of a give and take. You sacrifice a little bit of offense. But at the same rate, to my point earlier, he could be getting better on offense. He could maybe even surpass 80 points one of these years. Like It's absolutely uh, possible, in my opinion. What... One of the things that I, I keep going back to with Couturier is he um Yep, I lost what I had. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. No, I'll pick, come back. I'll pick up what you put down. I I feel like, you know, you you put some of these underperforming players with Couturier when they need to find their game. It's because, you know, Couturier is kind of focused more on playing defensively and he kind of opens up the ice for other players to succeed. You know, he makes a great defensive play, and you turn around, two other players are going down on the ice, going probably two-on-one, three-on-two at that point, where he opens up the ice for these players to, to really be better. And I, I I think that's that's part of his game that not many people realize as well. So to redeem yourself here, Matt Casey, we're talking about how yeah. Terrier makes um, everybody better around him. Let's talk uh, about a guy who's already pretty good. Let's talk about Joel Farabee. If you're looking for that guy to match his potential, is that something that you explore in the next or the coming years? I mean, you've got eight of them now. Do you put Joel Farabee on that top line with Sean Couturier and see what happens? I, I think you're you're going to see it. If not, I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we see it early this season, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think... You know, I go back two years ago, and you saw that line of uh, T. It was a TK Couturier and Limblom. Yeah. And opening the season. Opening the season, and like honestly, I was sort of like Limblom. What the hell? Like, you know, Limblom had you know a dynamite three months, mm-hmm. and um, so I I I wouldn't be shocked to see any number of people on there, um, including somebody like Limblom, including somebody like Farabee. I think it's all about the chemistry. And, you know, I think we're in a very fortunate situation now where we don't have to go back to the well time and time again in the form of 
Couturier, Giroux, and Voracek are the only though they're going to be the only ones who produce for for us. If we put oh, them together, reliable. that's a one trick pony. Yeah, <laughs> you know it, it's it's nice when it works, but there's a lot of time it didn't work, and you know that's no longer an option. And so I love the idea of being able to spread the wealth around a little bit, and I think we finally have the depth to actually do that. What's your take on that, Hoagie? You know, I don't think we'll see Farabee on that top line quite yet this year. I think down the line. I could definitely see it. I feel like, at least for this year, you stick him back with Kevin Hayes and whoever's on the play on that second line with him, whether it be TK or whoever. Because, you know, Hayes and uh, Farabee, they just played phenomenal together last year. They they were lighting it up when, you know, it was the darkest of the darkest times. <laughs> like, right. Far- Farabee was our goal scorer last year. It sucks to say that because he's, what, a second-year player? It's like... Something was wrong, but I feel like if you continue this to put him with you know productive players, he's going to continue that success. But I mean, if that second line's not working, you put him up on the first line with him, with Couturier, and uh, maybe Atkinson and see what the heck happens, man. I think that'd be a fire line. Fire, there you go. Straight fire, straight (laughs) fire. Uh, um, I, I remember when I, where I was going before I, before I lost it there is, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I look at what this, what Couturier signing actually signifies and just pounding it home. I, I think it really just shows the faith and the belief that he has in what Chuck Fletcher did. And I don't think like Chuck Fletcher did his job in spades this year. And like this trade in particular, we're on Twitter a lot that, you know, all of us. I don't think I saw many, if any, like negative tweets about the Couturier deal. And oh, it's absolutely. like, okay, if Couturier's if if Couturier has bought in to what Chuck is selling, then uh, I think that's a really good sign, uh, especially given the incredibly dark place we were all in as a franchise and a fan base three months ago. Company man coots. There it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's no, you're absolutely right. It's encouraging. And it's nice to see, especially given the offseason that the Flyers have had this season, um, bringing in, you know, all these veterans and these guys who, you know, been there, done that. They've been to the playoffs. Yandel, Bersard, even, you know, Ellis, Rista Line. And like these guys fit the template for what this team needed. And Couturier sees that. That's absolutely something that he sees. And he's part of this leadership group. And quite frankly, you know, given Giroux's situation, whatever happens with that, he's going to leave us probably during the tenure of this deal. So I could absolutely see Couturier ending up the captain of this team after that happens. Mm-hmm. Again, yep. that's some time away. I don't want to think about that. I might cry. Um, but <laughs> in the now, um, fantastic deal, it sounds like. You know, we're going to be seeing a lot of Couturier here in the next eight years, and I, I'm I'm very happy. Um Anything else to add, boys? So we're all in agreement that, you know, this kind of screams that he'll be the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers down the road. I think Get so. Get the jersey now, Hoagie. Get it now. Get it now. I'm thinking about it, man. <laughs> do what I did. I got my Giroux jersey before they even made him an alternate captain, so you can say you're one of the cool kids. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right. Well, good news with Couturier. Absolutely. We're all happy. You know, if you're going to piss and moan about it, then you're part of the problem. Um, but anyways, we get John's not on the podcast tonight. Exactly. He'd be like, what, 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 wait a second guys. So, you know, listen, I, we got to talk about like, shut up, John. 
Just shut up. <laughs> but no. Uh, moving forward, so we've got training camp right around the corner here. And um, there are going to be some interesting battles that we're going to be looking at. And it happens every year. You know, there's going to be one that we're going to discuss that it seems like we've talked about for the past, you know, 37 seasons. <laughs> um, but lo and behold, here we are once again traveling down that same path. But we're going to start with a different one. What we want to talk about is defense. Uh, we have an interesting battle that I've seen tweets earlier today that we'll get to here in a second. But the battle for the sixth defenseman. Uh, we're looking at the newly acquired Keith Yandel. Keith Yandel signed, obviously, for that one-year deal. Uh, we have Cam York, who is coming in with a little bit of pro experience under his belt. And the same type of experience for Igor Zamula, who I saw earlier today apparently had a very wonderful day in camp, which is a good sign. Um, Matt Casey, I'm going to start with you. If you're going to pick a guy out of these three, who do you want to take the spot and who do you think takes the spot? I'm going to mix things up here because I know hearts and brains work differently. doesn't mm-hmm. make me a scientist, but I know that much. So I... Uh- I'm gonna I'm gonna actually break this up in two different ways. Is who who do I who's gonna get the spot on opening night and who's gonna get the spot towards the end of the season or, or vice versa? I like that uh, better because, than my own proposition there. All right, because I I think is anybody disagreeing with the idea? That I think Yandel is borderline a lock to make the opening night. He's uh, taking it. Agreed. It, there's no doubt about it. Yep, and I. Look, he has the Iron Man streak on the line. It's that's a story for the press. I don't necessarily think AV is going to factor that into his something decision. here. The, his decision. Um, who? So I think Yandel's going to end up going through. And I, I think with York and Zamula, the biggest knock on them, and it's no fault of their own. They just don't have the experience. They don't know what it's like to grind through even a half season, nonetheless, in a full 82-game season. Know who knows that really well is Keith Yandel. Um, and so almost watching, you know, Yandel skate his way into the sunset in, you know, the the twilight of his year, I think is going to be a pretty good uh, learning experience from these guys. Zamula, my personal opinion is that he's just got to put on some more size. Like, I think he's got the skating ability. I just I, – I just – I don't think he's gotten big enough um, and, and physical enough. Um, and if he seems like I, – I, I think he's a pretty tall dude, isn't he? Um, I, I can't remember. Like six, he's like six up than I thought. Okay. Um, thought. I'm not and, sure. you know, he, he was fine last year in games that meant nothing against six the three. Devils. Like he was 6'3". So okay. he, he's, got some, he's got some fill out to work on. York I am very intrigued by. And mm-hmm. if there's somebody who I want to see in the lineup and getting consistent playing time and earning that playing time, uh, you know, as as the you know, as towards the end of the season, it, it's Cam York. I just feel like the guy has got a lot of what Yandel has, a lot of what Ghost had. Um, I, I'm just intrigued to see this kid. What do you think about that, Hoagie? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just going to say Yandel's taking that opening night spot. I mean, we're going to come into the season with the most veteran ready team come opening night where Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to be experiencing or yeah, or experimenting. That's what I, that's what I want to say. Experimenting with any, those words. 
<laughs> yeah, they're pretty hard sometimes. <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we're not experimenting with the York or Zamora on that sixth defenseman. We want the most NHL-ready team come opening night. I think down the line when push comes to shove, when granted, if we're not making playoffs, you're going to see York take that spot. <laughs> I th- Zamora, I just I don't think he's he's ready. I know they said before last season that you know he's he's almost there, he's almost there. But I mean, they had what a week of training camp, mm-hmm. and like that's that's really not enough to really say yeah he's almost ready. Like now he's it's, going through development camp, training camp, all that stuff. Chuck Fletcher had an interesting quote on on Flyers Daily the other day where he was like, yeah, previously we were rushing guys up who may have been like. 75 percent ready uh he's like we're now in a position where we can bring guys up with their 90 to 95 percent ready exactly and that's obviously a great position to be in exactly yeah so i mean zamor is definitely not ready i think we're he's gonna find himself in the ahl maybe flirting if we're not making playoffs he'll, he'll flirt with the press box slash getting tossed into into some games every once in a while now, it poses an interesting scenario because we still have Justin Braun for one more year, and this is the year. Uh, Keith Yandel as well. So there could end up being two openings on the defense next year, maybe three, depending on what happens with Ristolainen. Is Zamula going to end up in the NHL? I mean, is that a fair question to ask? Because Cam York's coming up, and you know, to a lesser extent, you might throw in a guy like Wyatt Wiley. Um, who I feel like might have the frame as opposed to Zamula. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like, and it's nothing against the guy. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm excited about him. I think he showed some glimpses in his time with the Flyers last season that he could be a successful NHL defenseman. It's just like Matt Casey said. He's got to fill that frame out or else he's going to get absolutely bullied. Right. I mean, I, I'd like him to maybe end the season, it, like depending on what happens with York. I don't know. Again, you know, speed of development. Who knows at this point? I'm no expert on prospects by any means, and I'm not going to try to persuade you otherwise. But you know, maybe Zamula shows more promise, and Cam York takes a little bit longer to adjust. But everything that we've seen from Cam York indicates that he's probably going to surpass Zamula, if not already has. I'm sure he has. So, yeah, Yandel at the beginning, absolutely. Um, I think at the end of the year, I would like to see Zamula just because he's a little older. But I'd almost be more encouraged by seeing Cam York, knowing that we have a guy that's going to climb the ladder quickly as opposed to Zamula, mm-hmm. who might take a little bit more time. And I'll, and I'll add something onto that. I mean, Ho- Hoagie, I get your point where it's like, hey, if we're going to miss the playoffs, number one, if we go by pattern, this is our year to make the playoffs. If I know it is. Playoffs, <laughs> <I'm gonna be laughs> so... <laughs> we'll buck the trend next year when we make the playoffs two years in a row. Like, let's, let's do it. Um, I think it's going to be – what I want to see is if one of these guys can crack the lineup if we are in the playoff hunt and if we are like – or even solidified in the playoffs. Because in my mind, that's like, okay, Cam York – they're saying you cannot keep this guy on the bench anymore. Like we've got to, we've got to keep him going, um, and you know if that comes at the expense of, of Braun or Yandel, uh, so be it. You know, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be issues along the way. We still have, you know, we still have big meat stick Sam Morin as well waiting in the wings, who I think we can agree is probably not going to be a top six guy 
he's going to be a role player on specific nights against Washington and New York is my bet. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think a, a good scenario is going to be if Cam York or Igor Zamula ends up making that lineup and cracking that lineup when games are still meaningful. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully they are meaningful towards the end of the season because, like you said, every other year, and this is that every other year, so let's bank <laughs> on the playoffs. Um, <laughs> moving along down the depth chart here, uh, we want to talk about, or I should say up the depth chart, honestly, uh, top nine wingers. So right now as it stands, we have guys like Drew, Farabee, Konechny, Atkinson, and JVR assuming that they're going to be part of the top nine in terms of wingers, which leaves one spot open. And the guys that we're looking at, at for that spot, we're looking at Wade Allison, Oscar Lindblom, and Scott Lawton. Um, in terms of those three names, I'll go to you first, Matt Casey. Which one intrigues you the most to be able to take that last wing spot in the top nine? Wade Allison intrigues me the most. Um, I think he's bringing a skill set and a level of, I hate to use the term, a level of grit and, and griminess as well as skill that I, I don't think we have on our lineup and I think would complement a lot of people, a lot of people's skill sets really well. You know, Hoagie, you mentioned um, the line last year of uh, Farabee Hayes and I think Allison was on that line. Uh, yeah, towards, towards the, the end, end. for yep. and you could just see chemistry with Farabee and Allison in particular. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind is Allison's 23, 24. Like he's not a, he's not a 20 year old rookie. He's filled out. He's gone through the college grind. He, you know, he, he knows what he's getting. So I'm most intrigued by Allison. You know, I guess I'll double down and I'm intrigued to see Lindblom to see how he looks and like, and you know, just to see from a health standpoint, is he back to the, to the Oscar that we know and that we saw two years ago? All good points. What about you, Hoagie? Um, I'm going to pick up where Casey left off there. I'm, I'm most intrigued by Limbaum. I think, you know, he's, he's had a whole summer to train and get stronger and, you know, he's not just coming off of chemo after three months. Like he's mm-hmm. put, he played that half season. He's trained all summer and he looks good in the videos that I've seen. Like he looks stronger. He's, he's determined to get back to where he was pre cancer. And I think, I think he's really going to be fighting for one of those spots in that top nine. Cause he wants it. He was there. He was tasting it on that first line with Couturier and connecting. Uh, and like he was tied for the, the lead or the team leading goals mm-hmm. when he when he got diagnosed like i think he wants that back i think he's going to be fighting real hard for it i'm really i am intrigued by allison i think he could come in and create that chemistry again with hayes or and connect or not connecting sorry um with Farabee because i mean i remember it was uh Farabee and allison against the penguins mm-hmm. and they were just two kids in a, on a hockey rink just, you know, passing the puck and scoring goals. They looked excited, man. Like Right, right. Like in the, in the dark times of, of that season, they were they were a nice glimmer of hope for, for Flyers. Um so I hate I hate doing this to my boy lots, but I don't think he's gonna be fighting I I think he's more of a depth player at this point. 
Yeah, no, you bring up a great point because, I mean, I'm of the same mindset with you guys. Um, I, I'm incredibly intrigued to see the progress of Wade Allison. And really the only way to see that, because the top six seems pretty set at this point, we're going to have to settle for him on the third line. Um, and I say settle just because, you know, he's young. He's going to get acclimated to this game a little bit more as time goes on and the more games that he sees at the NHL level. But there's only one way to do that, and that is the third line. Um, you know, you put him with Broussard on that third line, and, you know, maybe Konechny, maybe JVR, uh, one of the two, I really think that you could see Allison blossom into the type of player that we could expect him to be for years to come. Um, it's not to say that Oscar Lindblom isn't the type of guy that, you know, is going to take that lightly. I really think that he's going to make a push. Um, I just... It, it's stuck in my head from last season where Lindblom kind of settled into that fourth line role and he's mm-hmm. not a fourth line player, but like neither is Allison. And my fear with that is if Lindblom ends up taking that last spot on the wing on the third line, we're going to see Allison like not get pigeonholed, but like kind of settle on that fourth line. And we remember what happened with Farabee when that happened. Uh, that game against Winnipeg, he laid that late hit. It was a dirty hit, like absolutely mm-hmm. dirty hit, and he got suspended. I don't want to see that type of goonery from kids who have the potential to be much better than that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if I see – let's go back to Lawton for a second. Lawton has proven that he can play up and down the lineup right now, and that's arguably his best attribute to mm-hmm. this team is he can play wing, he can play center. If you need him to jump up on the top six – for a couple games, he could do that for a couple games. It's not ideal, but he can do it. Um, he belongs on the third or fourth line. Um, I look at if I see Limblom or Allison on the fourth line, I'm going to be like, oh, that's that, that's a miss. You know, I, I don't want that. It's wasted. I, I want to see that. But it's like, then what? And look, knock on wood, you know, we had the best center depth in, you know, in, in years uh, going into game two of last season. And it, it vanished like that with Couturier and Frost. And so th- things are going to happen across an 82 game season. Um, and you just hope it's not all that serious. But um, it's a good problem to have for the first time in a while. It's a good problem to have. I'd rather have this than rushing up. uh you know, Bunneman again or something like that. Like, you know, are we really or, rushing or, him at this point? Or are we just kind of settling for the, the mediocrity? I, I'd rather yeah, this right. than, than seeing Sam Morin on left wing. Um, so oh good. You know what? At this point, if it gets him in the lineup, why the hell not? <laughs> didn't, didn't do any good last year. So it didn't, it did. Absolutely. He did better on defense, his natural position. Who to exactly. Thunk it? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's. I mean, this one I think is one of the tougher ones to prognosticate. Uh, there's your extensive vocabulary. Um, <laughs> is that word? <laughs> prognosticate? Come on, Hoagie. I don't know, you, man. <laughs> give give Merriam-Webster's. <laughs> you'd be punctilious in saying that. <laughs> what did you just call me? <laughs> Punk. <laughs> Punk what? The, what the? Did you just say? No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, this is honestly, I think it's Allison's job. Uh, not to say that that's going to come easily because Lindblom, you know, is going to be in shape. He's going to be coming off a year where he had an entire year last year to play. So it's going to be a very intriguing battle. I think one of the more intriguing battles to watch throughout camp this season. 
Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we talk about Lawton a little bit, and we want to talk about uh, 4C. I'm going to throw his name into this just because it is an option. Uh, but there are a couple guys that we could look at um, at 4C. We talked about center depth as well. We're kind of in a position right now where it appears, at least, like we said last season, that we have this depth at center. We'll see if that's the truth. But guys like Nate Thompson, Jackson Cates, Tanner Lashinsky, all capable of playing 4C. We've seen them all. Um, you know, Thompson, we've seen him uh, two seasons ago. Jackson Cates had a stint. Lashinsky had a small stint. Uh, Lawton, honestly, I'd rather see him on the wing. But if he can play and that's how he's going to slot into the lineup, so be it. You know, whose job is there anybody on this list that it's their job to lose? Or is this more up in the air that I'm thinking right now? I feel it's, it's Thompson's job to lose. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like he just brings that depth and, you know, he's a veteran leader. And I saw an interesting tweet earlier. I forget by who, but, you know, AV got what he wanted and he wanted that veteran presence on this, in this lineup. And Thompson brings just that to your four set four C Kate. I don't think, I think eventually he'll be moved to somewhere, some, some other team and Lezinski is just not like a guy that I feel like he's going to fill that spot very well. I think Thompson was brought in for that role. A good point. How yeah. You, I, Casey? I, yeah. I mean, you look at where, you know, the flyers of 2020, we were just soft. We were a soft team and not that Thompson is a, um, a, What's that guy's name? Wilson. Uh, what's Tom Wilson? Tom Wilson. But, <laughs> um, but you know what? Thompson's a guy who, you know, he goes into the corners. He's nasty. You know, he he's gonna give you the honest effort every night, which we didn't have last year. And he's gonna be on the ice in the defensive zone when the other team's down. You know, down a goal and has the man pulled. Like he's going to be the guy on the ice who is able to make that diving play and, and eat a puck. Um, so I I think I agree with you. I think it's his job to lose. The the X factor I'll throw in there, man. I know you like Lawton on the wing. I wouldn't be shocked to see Lawton in the center on on the fourth line. I I just I I don't know. That's a point that I wanted to touch on. Um, I think that. If you're looking at it, we're going to get to the battle for 3C here in a second. But with the newly signed Derek Broussard potentially playing 3C because he is a winger as well. He could play, we'll look at it, you know, probably fourth line wing. It could open up the possibility of Lawton playing center on the fourth line. Um, I know that we're used to him playing on the third line, but moving him and his capabilities down on the fourth line, I feel like is more of an advantage than we've had in the past because we do now have that depth that we had two years ago when we made that run into the second round of the playoffs. I don't even know if you mm-hmm. want to call that a run, but you know what I mean. Um, like, we had that couple, depth. A couple lucky overtime goals, that's what that was. Yeah, but like bringing in Derek Grant and Nate Thompson at that deadline, having guys like Tyler Pitlick, you know, we're starting to show the depth that we had then especially on the wing. And now it's encouraging because that's, you can never replicate the same exact thing and expect different results. But 
we're bringing in a few extra guys that were different, and maybe now this mixture of players, you're afforded the opportunity to bump Walton down to that 4C line, or down to the 4C, and you know, kind of see what he brings to the table in that type of role. I mean, I, I also look at, okay, so let's, can Thompson play wing? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't I'm know sure if he's he ever can. played. I'm I'd sure like he could. Think, right? Yeah. So like, if you like, hypothetically, if we have Thompson centering uh, Lawton and Nicholas Abe Kubel on the fourth line, I don't mind that one bit. Like, I know NAK got a bad rap last year, and rightfully so. He took some pretty awful penalties and was like, you know, had some, some dicey moments. He was but a that, Every single one. <laughs> he was always but, the one in the third third period with the 10 that, minutes to that, go. He's always Boston in the box. That Boston game killed me. Yeah, that Boston oh. game killed me. But oh, I will say, like, he forechecks like a freaking spider monkey. Like, he goes absolutely bananas in there. And so... You know, I look at that fourth line as a whole, and my eyes are just like, yeah, okay, that's a tough line to play against. Um, so, Very good point. I like that line a lot, actually. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like a lot of us have Lawton almost slated as the 4C. Um, you know, Thompson wouldn't be upset – or not Lawton, I'm sorry, Thompson. So, in your scenario there, it's – but two guys perfectly capable of playing center. Um, sure. So, you know, that's – I think that'll be an interesting battle to watch. Again, not as intrigued by that one, just because it's it's fourth line. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, another battle that I am intrigued by, even though I really don't know how much of a battle this is going to be, um, the three C battle, folks. We've talked about it for like seventy five years now. Who's going to be playing three C for <laughs> the Flyers? Is this a debate? Is this a debate? Really? Is it? I mean, you know, let's throw out the two names. We've got Derek Broussard, the newly signed Derek Broussard, not Chris Broussard, as uh, according to me last week. Uh, Derek Broussard, the guy with the same first name as me, even though I keep forgetting it. And then we have Morgan Frost. Um, a lot of people kicking this around on Twitter. A lot of people discussing it, talking about it. Is there any type of competition here, Hoagie? I'm so tired of beating this horse. It's not even funny. I mean, <laughs> it, it's. I mean, at this point, it's Derek Broussard's job to lose. Like, I feel like Chuck signed him to bring him in to slot him in that in that three C. So, I mean, as unless Frost has like an ex- amazing camp and just outshines everybody that'll be a surprise to me but i mean broussard is it's got to be slotted in that 3c role i mean again we're on we're open up uh opening night with the most nhl ready team possible and i think Derek broussard just fits that lineup of course what do you think about that man casey uh yeah i mean starting the year i I think this is a no-brainer to have Broussard as the front runner, if not the lock for that three C. Um, I put this in the same, the same kind of uh, bracket as I had the Yandel York Zamula, where if Morgan Frost ends up earning his way onto this roster and we end up having to sit Broussard, that's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you know, again, it's not like we're sitting a six million dollar player in the press box. Like Broussard's coming in at, you know, eight hundred and fifty K. And so I think we need to keep in mind that Morgan Frost has played like a grand total of like four games in two years or like some something just like yeah. you know, laughable. Like the guy's gotta you know, you gotta give the kid a, a scenario where he's gonna succeed. And slotting me in as a three C opening night, um on a team that is going to have a lot of pressure on them early in the season, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think is a recipe for success for a player that is coming off injury and needs to get his game back. Agreed. No, great point. I think that, you know, a lot of people want Morgan Frost to pressure Broussard for this role. I don't think it's time for that to happen yet. Um, you know, he's played, like Matt Casey said, a handful of games over the past two years. Showed great flashes when he first came up with the Flyers two seasons ago. That goal against Florida was incredible, um, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen much of that since. You know, we we haven't seen that flash in the pan. We haven't seen the consistency that we wanted to out of him. So, you know, it's okay that Derek Broussard is going to start the season at three C. It might even be okay if he ends the season at three C. You know, depending on how the trajectory of Morgan Frost goes. We don't know. Maybe he takes a little bit more time to come back from this injury and kind of get acclimated, but you hope that you can at least see him thrive in his role with the Phantoms this year because there really is no room other than at 3C for him on this roster. Yeah, and you also look at it where, back to the Chuck Fletcher quote, where, you know, it's okay if he's not, if he's 75% ready and we don't bring him up. Like, let's get the kid 90, 95% ready and really having him earn that spot in the lineup to, uh, to to make this team better as well as his career better. Absolutely. Any lasting thoughts on that, Hoagie? Nah, I think I think Frost needs to go down to the AHL and just light it up and develop his game, and then kind of prove prove to Chuck and AV saying, "Hey, I'm ready. Bring me up when you need me." Yeah, good point. Absolutely, a great point. Now we get to a manufactured camp battle in my own head uh, because I thought this would create some interesting discussion. I want to talk about Ryan Ellis and Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, two right-handed defensemen, two guys who are used to playing top-line, top-pairing minutes, I should say. Is there any chance that we might see Ristolainen on that top pair at any point in the season, really? I think... First night, we're going to know it's Ryan Ellis. But, like, do you think that there's a chance Ristolainen plays well enough that he gets that top pair spot from Ryan Ellis? I'll go to you first, Matt Casey. I think we'll see it at some point. Um, And I don't necessarily think it's going to be because of play one way or the other. I think it's just going to be a circumstance-based couple games. I think if we... If we're talking about it of, hey, will this become a pairing, like a long-term pairing? I think that's a debate, and it's one that I've been thinking about as well because you don't know if, like, what what if um, Provorov and Ellis just just don't click? Like, we all wanted Braun and um, and Ghost to click. They didn't click. There's no like real rhyme or reason why they just didn't click. Um, so there's a chance. I think everybody has basically taken the Sharpie marker and put 
Ellis with Proby and Risto with um, with Sanheim, which is fine. If that works out, that's there's no issues there. If that ends up switching, it could be intriguing. It uh, it might be um, looking at it from a, a front office standpoint. That becomes a very interesting negotiation with Risto Linen in the offseason. If all of a sudden he is now considered the first, uh, you know, a top pairing defenseman, um, and so. I don't know. I, I look at it. I wouldn't mind seeing it switched up, um, and I think we will end up seeing it, but I, I don't – I'll believe it when I see it. How about you, Hoagie? What do you think about that? I think this is an absurd topic. Sorry, Derek, but uh, <laughs> I, I only think Rissa Lyman's going to take that top-pairing defenseman with uh, with Provorov only if Ellis hurts his – Shoulder again. <laughs> For sure, he has two, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I think I think Ellis. It, it's got to work. They're gonna make it work. Provorov is he's just like you know the Flyers playoffs. It's every other year he's on his game, and this is the year that he needs to be on his game. So, I think being paired with an Ellis for long term, knowing that he's paired with Ellis long term, he's on a he's on a bounce back and Ellis is going to be on that top pairing no matter what. I think you both bring up great points. I think Matt Casey kind of hit the nail on the head. I think we will see it eventually. You know, injuries happen. Stuff like that happens. But I think that this is Ellis's job on the top line, on the top pairing with Provorov. Um, not that I don't want to see how Provorov can play with Ristolainen. and I think it could be really interesting mm-hmm. to see. But, you know, given the circumstances, given all the hype around Ristolainen coming to a team where he's going to have less responsibilities, I think that's the the right play uh, if you're Elaine Vigneault. So, you know, again, something I manufactured in my head that I thought could be a fun discussion or at least interesting. <laughs> d- d- different, different time, different era. But I'll say this, you know, our top pairing or our top two defensive pairings back in 2010 were Matt Carl and Chris Pronger. Yep. And Braden Coburn and uh, Chemo. Yeah. And it's like, so that, Matt, Matt, Matt Carl was a top pairing defenseman. You never would have thought that, but they just yep. worked better together. So that, you never know. That Coburn yeah, team and pairing was one of my favorite pairings that I've ever gotten to watch. <laughs> I absolutely There's also a different it. point in their careers as well. Like. Very true. Very true. Very true. Good point. We get to the fourth line once again. We're going to touch on that one more time. Basically, this is a mishmash of who's left and who's going to take the wing spots. So we already have a guy like Nate Thompson, let's say, slated as the 4C. You've got Aubrey Cubell, Connor Bonneman, Linus Sandin, Tanner Lashinsky. You've got – there's a just hodgepodge of people that you could throw onto the fourth line right now. A laundry list. Yeah, exactly. There's so many people that, I mean, I saw somebody point out Yerman Rupstov, and I'm like, just stop it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let him stay in Russia. He's better off that way. Um, but regardless. we being dead. Oh, gosh. I, I, I'm so tired of it. It's like we can label this guy a bust, and that's, that's it. You know, I'm fine with it. Just let's look past it. Um but let's let's talk about who we think. I mean, we did talk about the fourth line here. Matt Casey brought up his fourth line here. I would like you to reiterate that fourth line that you spoke about here. Uh, what was it, five ten minutes ago? Yeah, so I, I go with Thompson, Lawton, and uh, Nicholas Abe Kubel on there, and 
I look at that with the existing pieces that we have right now, and that is a line that will give other teams fits just in terms of their defensive responsibility, their physicality, and um, hopefully their lack of taking terrible penalties, which will be a new development this year. <laughs> so is that line the ideal fourth line for you too, Hoagie? Yeah, I mean, it's the most intriguing line that I've probably seen proposed for the fourth line. I think, you know, Thompson brings – just having Thompson as a center and Nack as that second – that winger. But, I mean, you have Lawton on that other wing spot. If Thompson gets tossed out, you have somebody like Lawton to slot in to take a mm-hmm. pretty important faceoff. God forbid it's in the defensive zone. I think it, it's smart. Um you're playing your team's um, – I don't, I don't, I'm losing the word here. Your po- positive strengths. You're playing your strengths at that point. Mm-hmm. So there you go. <laughs> Play your strengths, and you got to make it work. Bunneman's not, not going to make it. He's going to be an AHL guy this year unless somebody gets hurt, which always mm-hmm. happens. And then – you, you go from there. I think I think we're going to see Lawton all over the place this, this season like we did last season. He's just that type of player. Mm-hmm. Is Lashinsky, is he uh, – I've, I've read he's not really a fourth-line guy in general. Like he needs to make the lineup further up the lineup. Is that is that what you guys have heard? Yeah. I uh... – I don't know what to think anymore because there's so many people that like, oh, they're going to be middle six guys. They they could be a second line guy. We've been so just like force fed the idea of all these prospects working out that, hey, if Lashinsky's a fourth line guy, fantastic. He made the NHL. Good for him. You know, not everybody right, needs right. to have that type of potential. I don't I don't know. I, I'd like to think a third line center, but that might be his ceiling. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What What's your thought on the fourth line, Derek? I agree with you. I think that's the optimal fourth line to put together, given the, the players that you have. Now, you know, you might see if Albe Cabell goes down and he starts playing terribly like he was last season, taking dumb penalties. Maybe Lashinsky's given that opportunity. Maybe they go with a safe route and take a guy like Connor Bunneman. Maybe they take a chance on Linus Sandin. I mean, the guy's got a great shot. It's just a matter of what is the team going to be lacking at the time of the potential call-up. If you need goals, mm-hmm. maybe you're looking at Sandine. You know, however little the fourth line is going to contribute, at least it's something. Bunneman's the safe route. He's the guy that's been there, mm-hmm. plays a safe style of hockey, isn't going to make too many mistakes, but is also able to make up for them if he needs to. So... It's going to depend on the mindset, and now we've seen guys like Bunneman constantly get the call up. I think it will be Bunneman, not the popular pick, but I think that's the the guy that they'd roll with if you know a guy like Albe Cubell is going to revert back to his ways from last season. Mm-hmm. You also but, have but, to remember, sorry, yeah. sorry, Daisy, but uh, you have to remember, depending on where these guys play this year, like a Sandine, if he's playing in Europe, it might take a while for him to get here, like it is right now for development camp. Well, he is coming to development camp, from my to my knowledge. At least he's coming here to the states. He, uh, he is, but it's taking him more time than it was supposed to. Yeah, so there you, were have, those you visa have to factor issues. that. Yeah, you have to factor that into making sure they get here, especially with 
all this COVID-19 protocols and stuff like that happening. Yeah. I think, though, when he's here, he's here. Like, he's not going back to Sweden to play. I think he's going to either play with the Phantoms or with the Flyers or both. Okay. You know, um, again, sure. I'm no expert on these types of things. I don't work for, you know, Homeland Security. Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell you that type of stuff. But uh, we'll see. You know, <laughs> it's one of those things. What? This is We're going to see a lot of these guys, I'm sure, because it's going to be a who's going to work out type of deal. Let me throw this one in into you guys. Uh, what if Broussard ends up being on the fourth line? Do you have issues with that? Not at all. Depends on who's playing 3C. Right. right. Yeah. Lawton. I mean, I know you're going to be happy about that, Hoagie. You're damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it. I could absolutely see it. Lawton can play up that lineup. You know, why not? Maybe Lashinsky right. shows something and he's the 3C and that's the best spot to put him at. Who knows? I, I also think it's like, all right, what do we want this fourth line to be? And, mm-hmm. you know, cause last year it was like a dumping ground for players who couldn't fit in anywhere else. And, you know, Nolan Patrick was there for several games. Like, you know, even Lindblom, like he was stuck down there. And we agreed that wasn't a good spot for him. But like, you know, what do we, do we want this to be the, you know, the, the the bang up uh the bang up line do we want it to be you know just uh, you know getting eight minutes and penalty kill time like you know how do we want to do this in my mind like you want to roll four lines especially when you have so much depth that we've had and just wear other teams down i think that's where we saw great success two years ago but it's sort of like all right how do we get the makeup and do we have the energy to to actually do that so interesting topic for sure absolutely um, you bring up that, that topic, Casey, but last year, our fourth line of, who was it? It was Nack, Bunneman, and um, who else was on there? Roffle for a period in time before he got Roffle. traded. Yeah, Roffle, yeah. Those three, they were scoring all types of goals and just creating havoc on, right. on Fulchek. So, I mean, I think at, at this point, if, if you're having Nack and Thompson and uh, Lawton, they're just going to create havoc and wear down the other the, the opponent. I'll, I'll tell you that. one of the yeah one of the best values a line like that could bring is putting them on after you score a goal. Like we don't talk about this enough, but like the amount of times that we were scored on within two minutes of having just scored a goal. Oh my like God. can you get a can you can you get a, a just a solid on a shift out of that fourth line and uh, you know get everybody still on track. Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that was a huge killer last year, having a team come back within two minutes of the Flyers scoring and then just completely squashing the momentum that the Flyers tried to build up there. Um, it's just, it sucked. Um, so I wanted to touch on one more thing just with the goalies, but it's not really a camp battle. We're already about an hour into this. I'm not even worried about it because, again, not a camp battle. We're going to skip that. We were going to talk Urson, Sandstrom, and Ustamenko, but we could save that for another episode. I know John's our prospect guy. He'd probably have a little more to say about that. So little teaser at the end here. Um, but that's been really what we wanted to touch on. I know the Couturier contract obviously being the biggest bit of news, but with the camp coming up as well, we want to talk about potential of who might make it, You know what type of positions are being battled over. So with that being said, Matt Casey, where can the fine folks listening right now find you on your social media platform? 
I'm at uh, Pod Street Casey on uh, on Twitter. So uh, yeah, hit us up and and uh, give us a like. Solid. How or about you, follow? Hoagie? Whatever, whatever like, the follow. kids are doing these days. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe. Well, first, first I've got a question for you, fine gentlemen. Oh, that is right. Oh. Wow, how could I have missed this? It's not on the lineup. That's why. It is. Yeah, you're right. Church. I, I'm an idiot, and that's been well established since I think like our second ever episode. It's all right. <laughs> the dad right. joke of the week. You guys ready? We are ready. Let's go. What's a pirate's favorite letter? Man. R? It's P. It's like R, but missing a leg. Oh, uh, okay. curveball! Right. I like that. All right. <laughs> I like and with that. that. You can find me at Pot Street Hogs <laughs> with all my stupid dad jokes and other nonsense. <laughs> all right, that may have warranted an unfollow there. That was. I'll tell you what. That's that's creative. I like that because I felt like everybody was going to say R right there, including myself. That was good. That was very good. A good think piece, Hoagie. Way to go. <laughs> Way to go, Hoagie. Awesome job there. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you can find me on Twitter at Pod Street Bob. You can find the Pod Street Bullies on Twitter at Pod ST Bullies. John's on Twitter too. He's on at Pod Street Gove. As far as the receptacles and all that stuff go, nah, you know, ask John next time he's on. But big news too as well, I wanted to mention. We have now partnered with High and Wide Radio. We are one of the podcasts affiliated with them. We are still the Pod Street Bullies, don't get me wrong. But our brothers over at High and Wide now, we're partnered with them. I'll be doing a little writing, so will John. We'll see if these two guys want to do some too. But uh, until then... We can't even speak, nonetheless write. Jesus. I feel like writing is easier. You've got, you know, you can, there's a backspace button. There's not any of that when you're talking. <laughs> But no, uh, big shout out to High and Wide. We're happy to join. It's going to be a a great partnership here. Um, But until then, I will leave you as I've always left you with the Let's Go Flyers. Adios.